You're listening to Clearing the Haze, episode number 76, How to Create Memorandums of Record. Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Robert Louis Stevenson. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze. I'm your host, Chuck Marting. Hey, this week we're trying something a little bit different. I'm going to be recording this podcast from my truck as I'm going from one appointment to the other. But I felt it was important to get this podcast out to everybody and uh, try something different. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, try and uh, throw this on the roadcaster when I get back to the office and try and equal out some of the volume and stuff like that. But yeah, we're going to try something a little bit different today and see how this goes. This week's episode, we're going to talk about memorandums of record, what they are and how to do them. Now. I'm covering this topic because we get a lot of people who call us, that email us on the show here to ask questions, and we've received a few questions on memorandums of record, when it's appropriate to write them, what you should write, how much you should write, things like that. And this is one topic that I spend quite a bit of time on with my own team when we're training them because of how vital this one report is to be included with your drug and alcohol testing. Now, we even do memorandums of record even for non-DOT lab-based tests. It's just one of those things that it needs to be done for clarity. Now, a lot of times you'll have people that will ask, well, what should you include in it? And what I explain to our team is that it's like your typical book report or anything like that if you want to look at it that way. It's the who, what, where, and when. You need to understand that the medical review doctor, the MRO, is not there. They don't see what it is that you're seeing or what you're experiencing during this collection. And let's face it, when you look at the chain of custodies in the remarks area, there is just not enough room for you to be able to detail what's going on with that collection. So what I explained to my team is that we need to fill this out. You need to write a story. You need to write what it is that you saw, what was said by the donor, and then explain through your eyes what it is that you're documenting for them. And it's important to understand that this needs to be detailed. Now, you know how detailed that is really going to be up to you, but I'm going to tell you this. With a memorandum of record, The reason why you're doing it is not only to document this, but to be able to recall this collection if you're needing to. 
we have a perfect example of this on a collection that we did two years ago. Two years ago. And the individual decided that they were going to sue the company for wrongful termination because now that they're out of COVID and everything, they don't have a job. They're having a hard time getting a job based on this collection that happened because, well, I know it's going to surprise you. They gave us synthetic urine. And so the individual lost their um, CBL or they're not eligible to be able to go and work or get employment somewhere else because they chose to blow off the SAP process. And so now we get to that point where they're getting an attorney involved and all this other stuff. Well, let me tell you something. If you were to give me that chain of custody from two years ago and then ask me to recall that one collection without a memorandum of record or just comments that I was able to fit into the remarks area, I'm not going to remember that much about that collection. Okay? I do too many collections in in a week, a month, in a year to be able to recall just one particular collection on memory alone. And and that's just because, you know, unless there was something that really stood out that you're really going to remember this, chances are you're not going to be able to recall the information that's going to be needed in order for them to make a decision as to what is going on. The other thing is, is that you're documenting this for your employers, all right? You need to remember that our number one priority isn't so much the donor. I mean, they're important in this process, don't get me wrong. But the bottom line is, is we're here to protect the employer, to help them in their processes that they have set up through their drug-free workplace policies and procedures, to protect them so that they're able to have a safe workplace. And in this case, this individual is suing the employer for lawful, unlawful termination based on, in part, this drug test. So when we were able to get this drug test back, not only did we have the documentation from this collection, but we also took pictures of the synthetic urine and the bottle that the donor came in and used and gave us during this collection. So when we were able to share this information, to be able to explain this collection and also have pictures from the donor having given us this bottle that they had brought into the facility to intentionally cheat on the test, it was huge. This court case ended up being dismissed largely because of the collection that was done and the documentation that was presented. So this is why we do memorandums of record. Now, every one of these memorandums are going to be similar. And, and what I mean by that is you're going to have shy bladders. You're going to have refusals. You're going to have things like that. So if you make a memorandum up and you kind of use it as a template, so if we, for example, if you have one memorandum that you put together for um, 
let's say a shy bladder, okay, you can save that memorandum as a shy bladder memorandum. You can put the company's name on it, but you'll be able to pull that back up and you can change some of the details in that memorandum that you did previously to fit the situation that you have now. Because a lot of that stuff is going to be pretty similar. Um, the location is going to be different, obviously. The date of collection is going to be different, obviously. But they're going to be pretty similar in what you're going to be saying and what you're going to be doing. Um, and then probably adding other things that personalize or individualizes this specific collection. And then save it. So you're not having to just totally do a brand new memorandum from scratch, except for the first time that you create it. But you're going to be able to go back and use that. And that's going to help save you some time. And it's also going to give you an idea of what you wrote previously to try and document what you're experiencing now. So that is one thing that we're able to do. And I have a, a template that I give to our new team members to help them in deciding what it is that they need to do for their memorandum of record. Now, when you're first doing this, it's a good idea to have another team member take a look at your memorandum. Make sure that it reads correctly, that it, it's understandable, that it flows correctly, okay? You don't want this thing to be a jarbled bunch of random thoughts that you're putting on pieces of paper because it's just going to confuse the MRO. Look, I, I understand that this is going to take you some time, okay? But believe me when I tell you, it's going to be worth it, okay? We've had several MROs contact us and tell us that our memorandums that we've sent them gave them so much clarity that it just blew them away. And they, one of the more common things that we hear from the MRO regarding our memorandums of record is, I wish other collectors took the time as you did to document what it is that they saw. Because they say this makes our job so much easier when determining what needs to be done next when we look at these types of memorandums. So keep that in mind. If you've got the MRO calling you because they have questions regarding the collection you did because they they need some clarity, there's your first clue that you need to take a little bit of time and, and put this together. Now, I know that we're all busy. We all have businesses that go crazy. And so I get that. But don't blow this off because it will come back to bite you you will regret not taking the time to do it. Because Murphy's Law, this will be the one collection where you didn't do what you know you should have done as far as documentation is concerned. And it's going to be that one collection that's going to come back and haunt you. So do yourself a favor. Take the time to create this memorandum and to present it to the MRO with your medical review officer copy of the CCF. Now, what kind of things do you put in there? Like I said, it's the who, what, where, and when. So we start off by giving the date, the time, 
that I was identifying myself or another team member identifies themselves as the collector. Um, we also identify the donor at that time. Now, when you look at the memorandum uh, template that I'm going to put in the show notes, you'll see that it says at the top of the page, memorandum of record, it gives the date, gives the name of the collector, and then it's addressed to the MRO. We have a subject line in there, so it could be shy bladder, and then you could even add a little bit more to that by putting CCF number and then the number of the CCF. You're also going to put down there the name of the donor, their date of birth, and anything else that you feel is significant, like the CCF number, if you didn't include that in the subject line. And then you can start your narrative. And, you know, on this date and time, I was the collector for so-and-so. And during this collection, these are the events that occurred. And then you just start describing it. You know, the individual came into the office to have a random test done. I gave the instructions to the donor prior to them giving a specimen. Upon re-entering the restroom, I observed the specimen to be a bright yellow color that was indicative of synthetic urine that has been given to me in the past based on my experience and training. Upon looking at it, the specimen was very hot to the touch with no temperature readable on the specimen cup. There was no foam bubbles or smell to this specimen. And at this time, I advised the donor if there was something that they were worried about. And then you go into your next paragraph. The donor stated, no, it was a reason why you're asking. And then I explained to them that the color of the specimen is different than what we receive from a typical urine specimen. The temperature is out of range. It's very hot with no temperature on the cup. And then we turn the cup and show it to them. Um, and then I also advised them, advised the donor that there was no smell, bubbles, foam, anything that would be indicative of a normal urine specimen. And then I looked at the donor and asked, what is it that you're worried about? Because usually when somebody gives me synthetic urine, they're worried about marijuana or other drugs that they may be involved in. So what is it that you're worried about? The donor stated to me, yeah, I am worried about this. I smoked marijuana last week and I just was trying to make sure that I was going to be able to get this job and not lose it. I explained to the donor that, yes, I understand that. However, when you do this during a collection, that it is a refusal to test for giving us a synthetic specimen. So if you could do me a favor and give me what you brought into the restroom, we can continue to finish this collection. At this time, the donor reached into their pants and pulled out a synthetic urine bottle with a temperature gauge on the outside of the bottle and also a hand warmer rubber band to the bottle. At this time, I concluded the paperwork with the donor, marking it as a refusal to test. A 
and then contacted the DER immediately and explained to the DER what had occurred during this collection and that this collection would be reported as a refusal to test. At this time, the donor was advised that they could leave the facility, but that their employer wanted them to contact them once they left. At this time, I have no further information or involvement in this collection and request that you review this information to make a determination on this collection. And then I put down respectfully submitted and then my name, company information, and there you go. Now, what's really cool, if you really want to get into this and be able to have these done in no time flat, you now are able to go to Word or even on um, iPage and you're able to do your document and you can dictate it. So you can actually just talk and you can have that um, printed out or created and everything and you can just review it and make some changes if you need to things like that. So I know that in the beginning, doing a dictated type report is kind of weird. But once you get the hang of it, it will save you so much time as far as creating this document with your not having to type it up. Um, So that would be something else to take into consideration when you're creating these. The bottom line is, is that this is part of our job. It is something that we need to do for clarity's sake, not only for the MRO, but you need to understand that your DER, your company, is going to get a copy of this as well. And this helps them with their documentation. So then when you have a situation similar to what we had that I talked about previously, you have document, they have the documentation as to what happened during that incident that they can give to whoever is doing the investigation on that end or whoever's making an inquiry or whatever they're having to do. So because the, um, because the donor in this case did not do a release of information, the company did not release that to them. Now, when they came to us, we did the same thing, saying that we needed to have not only a release of this information from the donor, but we also needed to have the employer um, give us a release as well. Because understand, this is not my paperwork. This is theirs. This is their collection that I did on their behalf for their company. So keep that in mind. That might be something that you need to talk to a DER upfront and just explain to them, hey, Should this type of a situation occur, understand that we're going to need a release of information from not only you, but also the donor. Um, Most of your employers now are having uh, employees sign a release before they drug test them just because they've experienced so many situations and where they're not only getting sued by an employee, but they also have situations where people get hurt or whatever the case may be. So now you're going you're gonna to have, um, you know, OSHA or other organizations that may be investigating the circumstances of this collection. 
and they may want to see that documentation. So a lot of these companies now are having the individual sign a release. So it's not that big of a deal, um, but we also would have them do it because it's their information. And um, we're just trying to cover our bases. Even though this report belongs to their employer, it has their information, uh, driver's license number or even social security numbers, things like that. And it also has the results that can go and be asked for as well regarding this collection. So just keep these things in mind. If you don't have those things put together, then you need to create those documents and have them ready. So one of the things that we are doing in this episode of Clearing the Haze is I'm including our release of information form that we have. So if this is something that you're wanting to do, you can look at what we've put together. You can mimic it if you would like. Just remember for legal purposes, things like that, I would have your own attorney take a look at this because you're using this as a legal document to make sure that it is the way it should be. I mean, there are other states, there may be specific wording or things like that um, that is required by your state. So make sure that you at least have an attorney that looks at this stuff for you. They may even be able to create this documentation for you. You'll just need to check with them and see. There are services that are like Legal Shield, um, which is um, prepaid legal that we have for our our um, biz- business and to cover not only ourselves but our employees. Um, it's actually very affordable. So we talked about that on a past episode of Clearing the Haze. So I'll put the episode number for that so you can hear what Legal Shield does and how they can help you and your business. Um, but these are all things that you need to take into consideration if you haven't done so already. So I hope that this episode of Clearing the Haze has given you a little bit of clarity and understanding as to the critical role that a memorandum of record has and can have in your business and also in how it affects your employers and donors during this process. And as always, if you would share this episode with those that you think that would benefit from this information, we would greatly appreciate it. So until next week when we release another episode of Clearing the Haze, remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business. Take care.